they didn't like me at UCB <laughs> because they would be like, you know, how you're always supposed to yes. And yeah, this person would say something. And I just say no. And <laughs> they'd be like, Chloe. And I'd be like, I'm not going to enable this person. They're not funny. I'm not, in, I'm not an enabler. No. And so they're like, this is not for you. I also would like get shit faced during the break. It was like 10 minutes. <laughs> Welcome to Burning You guys, we have one of the craziest bitches I know, one of the funniest comics in New York City, and an immediate nice person to me when I came on the scene. We have Chloe LeBranch. Hey, how are you? Did I pronounce it right? Yeah, you did. You did. I just realized I've never said your last name out loud. Chloe LeBranch. It says on your website, and I love bringing up comics websites because I feel like they never update it, and yours is definitely not updated. I have a but, website. Um, <laughs> Honey. Actually, you don't know. Website. It was from Stand Up New York's bio. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Chloe is a retired debutante. Yes. Is that true? Yeah, I, I was a debutante three times in New York. Is that a thing in New York? Oh, yeah. I actually I have a thing right here I could show you um, hanging on my wall. Like my middle school teacher sent it to me. Wait, where in New York City was this? I did one. I did two at the Waldorf and one at the pier. So you're kind of like Tinsley Mortimer. Uh, my my middle school teacher sent this to me. This is Winter Nights in the New York Times. Bill Cunningham. Remember, he died. R.I.P. See, there's me. I'm a special dancer. Wait, were you like a good debutante? No. <laughs> did if you I get was... kicked out? Did oh, they let no, no, you? no. I didn't get kicked out. But like, I was like blacked. You just like do. A... They announced. Basically, they used to do debutantes to like. Um, they would present a girl to society so they could see all the eligible bachelors for her to marry. That's how it started. And how it started, how it's going. Um, <laughs> so you do that. But like, I was like, all my friends, because it was when we were freshmen in college and like half the girls like just did not want to be there. And then half the girls were like so uptight because our parents like make us do it. Yeah. And it was such a train wreck. We had to like do rehearsals and stuff like the day before. And I remember one of my friends rolls up to like this 11 a.m. rehearsal and she's wearing like a men's button down and makeup all <laughs> over her face and she's like okay we can start and they're just like what she just snorts cocaine off the teacher's hand oh yeah <laughs> and then like uh I remember at one of them I I was like I, there was like a tablecloth and I stood up and the tablecloth went with my feet and just like four glasses of red wine just like spill all over my my deb dress it's like a white gown and and then after i was like i know how to get white wine out so i go to the op i go to the open bar and i start asking for all these glasses of white wine and i'm just taking them and i'm just pouring them on on so my you dress. white wine would take off red wine some old man was like you know what gets that out chardonnay <laughs> <laughs> So did you get like a date out of it? No, what happens is you get two escorts. So you have um, two guys that you choose to be your escorts. It sounds like The Bachelor. It's, it's, and then every, all the parents, everyone gets their own like suite at the Waldorf because the parents get it for you. Well, I feel like this is definitely more of a parents thing. They're like, oh, yeah. we don't have to babysit. <laughs> Give her a little dress, let her do whatever she does, and we get to fuck in the Waldorf. This is some high society shit in New York because... People just smoked weed in Prospect Park when I was growing up. <laughs> we did that too. <laughs> but we, we hit up like the Alice in Wonderland statue. 
yeah. I, I remember when I was in like eighth grade, everyone was like, girls were like obsessed with like, just like peeing outside. It was like a big thing. We'd like go to a hookah bar and then we'd be like, let's go pee on the mat. And we'd like be like, cool. And we'd like go to the steps of the mat and like pee and like take pictures and be like, this is living. You guys, we are getting an inside Real Housewives of New York child experience in New York City. I actually met you through other high society New Yorker, Remy Casimir. Not a debutante. N- not let's she's not you know that <laughs> level <laughs> she she we met at her the shiva of her grandma rest in peace and you were sitting there and we're all wearing black and like people are pretty somber but then you were in the corner just like ripping jokes i don't even know who i was talking to probably, no one knew who you were lamp. talking to <laughs> <laughs> like, but i gravitate towards other yeah. you know humorous women and the next thing we were just laughing it was one of those conversations that like you know when you start talking to someone you realize you've never introduced yourself but you're like laughing about something yeah. at some point oh, i was yeah, like yeah, hi yeah. i'm hannah nice to meet you or when you wake up to it next to a guy and you're like what's your name again <laughs> <laughs> but anyway you were one of caroline's on broadway's breakout artists in 2016 you performed at the oddball comedy festival in jones beach um you've co-hosted shit on twitch tv you had um, a podcast, a closed show, and now you currently have your one-woman show, News for Women. <laughs> so it's news with the number four and women. What's the kind of concept behind it? So basically, I used to have this joke about the skim, and uh, I actually did this joke a while ago where I make fun of the skim because I'm like, I don't know if anyone's heard of the skim. The yeah. Skim is basically, it's a newsletter, and what the skim does is it breaks <laughs> down the news so women can get it. <laughs> Because it's like, oh, my God, how would we understand the news? Our brains are so small. It's like, where would we find a time in between all our naps and abortions? We wouldn't. <laughs> I'm like, you should have a glass of white wine with the GOP. They're so stressed. And, like, so I was doing The GOP is about to cut their bangs any second. I know, right? And so I, I remember I did that joke, like, at Caroline's a while ago. And someone who's, like, that one of the heads of the skim reaches out to me. And they're like, how dare you? Like, uh. <gasps> Barack Obama reads the skim and he's a man. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and then I just like started like copy and pasting some of their headlines and just sending them back. Which were just like, <laughs> do you have sand in your bag? Syria has it in their government. You know, like shit like that. They don't say that, but you know what I mean. I actually found the skim. I was subscribed to it for a while. I found it more hard to understand because they use all these like weird girly millennial metaphors. Yeah. And I'm like, just tell me what happened. Just make it straightforward. Like, mm, stocks are up. Good time to buy a Birkin. <laughs> and they have it all in like cute font and pink so that our eyes can like retain it and have a pleasurable experience so we don't get like too much anxiety during the reading of it. I mean, I wouldn't bash them too hard because Hannah, they could be a good sponsor for you. I thought about it, but you know what? It's fine. Uh, they look at my shit. They're like, she's a dumbass reality TV star. She doesn't know what the news is. Um, I started dating this older guy, though, and he, like, listens to NPR. And I was like, there has to be a middle ground, though, between the skim and NPR. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's called News for Women I was just with Chloe. Say that. <laughs> so I, get, I only get my news from the New York Post. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I love it so much. So, Chloe, you are super outgoing. You're gorgeous. Thank you're you. hilarious. You've sta- you've started this cat eye thing, which I kind of love for you. Do you feel like a new woman with cat eye? Because people say that once girls start getting their cat eye right in their makeup, that's when you can start ruining men's lives. Thank what you. do you use? I use Charlotte Tilbury. Yeah. Have you know- do you know her? 
Yeah, I know her, Charlotte. She's cool. Yeah, what happened was Karen Margolis. I was just like, what is your routine? And she sent me her entire makeup list and then mm-hmm. all of her like face washes. Well, I feel like you're kind of like me. You're a tomboy-ish. Yeah. But you still have like a feminine energy when you have to for news for women and i think that do you like wearing makeup i'm like i go back and forth like i wear many hats and um (laughs) (laughs) like sometimes i'll be dressed like a 12 year old boy yeah and sometimes i like dress like a girl but i thought it would be funny for my new show if i just wear like really girly stuff and then just say things that are just like very unwell you know, that's kind of like me when I do summer house because you have to wear these. You don't have to, but I mean, it's summer. So you wear bikinis and like you want to look sexy for the camera. But then just I let the most just disgusting shit come out of my mouth yeah. and just keep people on their toes. You the most it. vile thoughts. Um, yeah, the trailer actually aired. And <laughs> this guy, Kyle, goes, Hannah, do you have something stuck up your ass? And I go, I don't, but I wish I did because I'd feel a lot better than I do right now. <laughs> so just an anal joke. Just open with an anal joke. I love that for us. I feel like you we're similar it. that way. I haven't done stand-up since March. You've been doing some outdoor shit or no? I mean, I did like, I did some outdoor stuff and I just like stopped. Isn't it funny when like, you're on a podcast and you're like, oh yeah, I did this joke for so long and you start it and then you'd forget the the button of it and then you're just like, I'll go fuck myself. Oh yeah, of course, of course. I, that happens on stage. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know when you're on stage and you start to go into like a really long story and it's just yeah. not hitting and you're like- Yeah, and you keep trying to extend it like, oh, this will hit if I just turn this way or that way. I just, I'm just like, lost. listen, like there's about three to five more minutes left of this joke. So bear with me, everyone. <laughs> so do you miss it uh i miss it i miss it i miss like doing stand-up at the stand mm-hmm. that's what i miss the most i miss mm-hmm. going on the road no i'm kidding i never did that uh. <laughs> Wait, but my thing with you is i feel like a lot of stand-ups they say are either addicts or athletes i'm both what are you you're both I'm very athletic Explain. about my drug use <laughs> very athletic (laughs) so when I first met you I think the first day you were kind of like yeah I'm trying to get sober and it's kind of been on top of mind so how are you with your sobriety journey what what what's going on well right now I've been sober for about nine days and what happened was I had a pretty good stretch before that and then I was like going to parties and not seeing anyone fuck COVID no I'm kidding the pandemic <laughs> four more years no <laughs> and so i had not drank in a bit and then i went to parties i went on dates blah 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 i go to visit my 91 year old grandmother and she goes she's like asking she's like do you have a boyfriend i was like no and she's like do you want a glass of wine i was like oh no i don't drink and she goes you don't have a boyfriend and you don't drink how <laughs> boring and i was like i could drink and like i said to like her nurse i'm like bring over the chardonnay <laughs> and then i got so shit-faced i started throwing up and uh i haven't called my grandmother in a week because i'm like embarrassed <laughs> your grandma drank you under the table i have like super bad anxiety about it yeah no but- i totally get that but i feel like it's also kind of a bonding experience with your grandma yeah, it is. I mean, she's so ridiculous. So, when was the first time you realized you had an addictive personality? Probably when I when I was younger. I was obsessed with. Um, there's this like antibiotic that you get when you have like strep throat or something, and it's called Cefaclor, and it's like this mm-hmm. pink stuff that's like tastes like 
tastes like bubble gum, gum or something. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was obsessed with it. And I used to like, I nicknamed it, I called it Seaclore. And, uh, <laughs> and I loved it. So when my parents, when no one was in the kitchen, I would go downstairs and I would take it out of the fridge and just drink it. <laughs> oh my God. How old are you? I was also obsessed. I think I've been doing whippets from a young age because I was obsessed <laughs> with whipped cream. And I would just like, go and like pour it in my mouth that like ended so I was like definitely like accidentally doing whippets and I remember when I was like 12 for Christmas I got one of those like things that they give you at restaurants with all the canisters of whipped cream yeah. like the whippet things hell yeah I wish I had it now <laughs> but so when was the first time you took your first actual drug drug um the first time I did cocaine I think I was 15 when was the first time you drank Mm, okay the first time I drank I was like I was like 12 at like a birth I was at this like end of the school year pool party Mm. and uh they had like this massive bar so me and two of my friends walked in and we're like let's get let's do this we walked in and we like took shots of jack and we went back and we like jumped in the pool like oh I can't swim (laughs) you know when you're like younger and you drink you pretend you're like more fucked up than you are (laughs) Or you, like, have one drink, and if people are drunk around you, you're like, oh, I feel it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Things are moving. Yeah. I but also then, think this is hard. New York City kid behavior. Kid behavior, yeah. I mean, New York City people kid. like to drink a lot. Like, you know, you grew up in New York. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then I went to I went to boarding school, and that's when I, like, really got into partying. It's funny because people send kids away to boarding school to like have a structured life, I feel like. But it's where you it's like going to prison like you're su- that's supposed to be- make things better. It's like, no, that's where you actually learn how to be more kind of fucked up. And yeah, they're like, thank God. I used to I remember when I was like a junior or sophomore, we, I used to do coke at like 7 a, 7 a.m. and then go to chapel. <laughs> and I was like such a little psycho. I'd put like a bow in my hair like this and wear like tights with like a skirt and be like <laughs> <laughs> you're just jacked up for jesus yeah yeah <laughs> when did you realize that it started to become an issue i mean i think it started to become an issue like a lot of my friends i would say like i mean it's i guess they say like it's a problem if you get like blackout but like everybody mm-hmm. does that it feels like you know it's i mean blackouts are like joked about a lot in society but you don't want to be blacking out so much that it's affecting your relationships and yeah yeah. I just like went like I think in boarding school we were just like you know it was a lot of like you can't drink during the week so you go to New York on the weekends and like you get it you get after it yeah and college we're like I'm free Mm -hmm. so you just like got to do whatever you wanted and then I would start to get like injuries because I I think I'm really actually athletic when yeah. I like I love to sprint and try to jump yes. over things, you know. Drunk running is the most fun. Oh god. Drunk swimming. Like, you cannot get me to jog sober ever, but drunk sprinting, you're just like, I am free and I'm just a leaf blown in the wind. I used to remember it in high school, people used to like do a ton of coke and then go on the elliptical <laughs> and like see you could get their heart rate up the highest. And I was like, This is not normal. No, that's how you have heart attacks. Yeah. So started like partying a lot and then it just started to become like then I went to school in Texas at SMU and like I didn't want to do like the sorority thing slash I got blackballed um they like I was like getting rushed really hard by like the good sororities and like I was just like I don't want to do this fuck you and then they're like okay so then like I didn't do it and when you go to so that got you blackballed because you were like I'm not into this this is lame it's a longer story (laughs) 
who did you hurt? I didn't hurt anyone. I just was like really like anti-South, anti- Then why'd you go to SMU? Because it was the only college I got into. Oh. Um, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't see SMU for you. It's like pearls and like you go to- you go to football games and you wear dresses. And I know. It's, it's very debutante-ish. I got arrested at a tailgate once. <laughs> so you immediately went in and you felt like you didn't fit in to that Southern culture. Oh, the reason why I forgot about this, the reason I, I was getting rushed and then the reason I couldn't join a sorority is because my GPA was a 1.2. And you have to oh. have over a 2.5. And then I got back from, then I got back from like, I remember I went to like Aspen or something when everyone was like doing rush. And I was like, I'm cooler than you. And then I came back and like once everyone's in sororities and fraternities, everyone gets like really cocky and they just like stop talking to you. Yeah. So I really got like anti-system and like started to go a little crazy. I would say I had minor depression, but um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like kind of <laughs> just went really went crazy. I stopped. I like never went to class. I would just like get drink all day with my friends who like also were from New York and everyone got kicked out of SMU, all of our New York friends. Did you get kicked out? Yeah, I got let go. Um what was the final thing that snipped you? It was my GPA. I got a .08 one semester. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you guys have been going to class? And everyone's like, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> the only class I passed was racquetball. And I didn't even know I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're athletic. Wait, so did any part of you want to impress your parents or like show them that you could do well? Or like, why do you think you rebelled so fucking hard? Probably because I wanted them to notice me. <laughs> I love it. it. was a cry for help. Yeah, I'm one of seven. Oh, what what order are you in? in the so seven? I'm the third, and there's five boys and one, and two girls. And is the other girl more, way more, um, like, loved by the family? Yeah, because she's, like, really good at life. <laughs> so instead of competing, you were like, why don't we do the opposite and yeah, drown? It was it was what it was. I got kicked out of this fraternity once for making Hurricane Katrina jokes. <laughs> And then I like was like, oh no, like I love, I love New Orleans. And then I remember I started, I was like on all this annex, and I started. This is my best line I've ever done. They're kicking me out, and I'm screaming, "Google me!" <laughs> if you googled me. It was like I won a soccer tournament when I was 11. That was like the only thing there. I actually had a weird Katrina event too at my college where. It was like kind of an intimate class and my friend was fucking making me laugh and the teacher was talking about Katrina and but she was making me laugh about something that the teacher was doing it and you know when you're not supposed to laugh Mm -hmm. that's when you laugh the hardest Mm -hmm. so I started just like making these noises and then I had to pretend that I was crying hysterically and walked out because it was during Katrina I love um I love that for me because crying and laughing is a thin line and that is what the theme of burning (laughs) in hell is so (laughs) so what do you hate about yourself the most Oh, wow. I definitely hate, I hate that I am an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So annoying. Um, I hate that. Um, I hate that I like can't be like casual with dating. Mm. You know? Do you feel like you get all in real quick? Yeah. It's because I, I, I hate rejection like mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And so once, even if I don't like the person, once they start to reject me, I like go all in, you know. Mm-hmm. It, 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 <laughs> now I have to be obsessed with you. It's like a, pr- it's like your a mind. yeah, it's like a Pringles can, you know. I text you <laughs> once, they text me back. I'm like, it popped. <laughs> Let's have fun. <laughs> and oh god, um, but that's something I don't like. I don't like that. Sometimes I can be really mean. Mm. 
by accident. Like I just have this talent where like I can really just cut to someone's core, mm. you know, as most comedians have this like small, like evil tick. It's kind of like sometimes how you can talk to yourself. If yes. you're really fucking brutal to yourself, it's very easy to be brutal to other people because you're like yeah. in that mindset sometimes. Yeah, I'm like really hard on myself. Yeah, I didn't realize till recently that I'm actually pretty good at fighting with my yeah, words. You're great. Because you realize like all we do is talk shit. And if you be clever with like making people laugh, you also could be clever making them cry, which is with great power comes great responsibility. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So with your dating life... I feel like if you're struggling with alcoholism, it's very hard to prioritize like a guy or like your healthy relationship with them if you're having a tough relationship with yourself. Do you feel that way? A hundred percent. I mean, that's what they say when you're getting sober. They're always advised like don't date for your first year. Yeah, that's when I met you actually. You were like, I'm not supposed to date, but this guy's cute and we've been talking. Was he cute? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that like, yeah, so how long have you been trying to get sober? What have you tried to do? What have been your vices? I've been trying to get sober since I went to my first AA meeting when I was 21. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and I was like, I'm not doing this. It's so sad. Everyone's like old and weird. Mm -hmm. And I went to another one with one of my friends. And I remember we got really drunk before it because <laughs> we're like, oh, you got to be blacked out to be at this place. It's boring. <laughs> and and then I, then I, then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking when I'm 20 when I'm, when I'm 26, I'll stop. So what I did was I was like, since I got to stop in like four years, I'm going to go as hard as I can <laughs> because I knew it was going to have to end at some point. So, yeah. and also when I was in college, like I was like, started, I have epilepsy and mm -hmm. I started having like seizures and stuff from like mm -hmm. taking a lot of Xanax and all this stuff. And mm -hmm. it was like, I, my epilepsy wasn't diagnosed yet. Oh, geez. So they just thought I was like having seizures from like all these drugs and stuff. I wasn't mm -hmm. like that. I was just, I was a cute drug addict, you know? <laughs> what was the hardest drug you've ever done? I haven't done like meth or heroin or PCP. Mm -hmm. I have one time I snorted Suboxone. That's like what you do when you're trying to get yeah. off heroin and it just made me throw up. I did like Oxycontin in college because in, in the South, everyone's obsessed with Ooh. Oxys. Especially, well, at SMU, at least they were. But um, I never like smoked that much weed. I just did a lot of, I did a lot of coke. I've done acid a bunch. So have you gotten attention from your parents? Uh, well, I was obsessed with trying to go to rehab and because that was like when Lindsay Lohan was at Cirque Lodge and stuff when I was in college and I was yeah. like, every day I'd be like, please just let me go. And I would like, send Why wouldn't them, they? Like, my dad would be like, go to the gym. <laughs> my dad would be like, stop trying to act like a rich kid. You're not going to rehab. I was like, what? Anyways. <laughs> so then I just like partied for like a long time. And mm -hmm. then when I was 26, I went to rehab for the first time. Oh, wow. I've been to rehab eight times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I only graduated from one. Um, I got let go a lot. Because <laughs> you would find ways to get what you wanted? Because a lot of people at these rehabs, like, they're there and they don't want to be sober. You know, mm. a lot of people don't want to be sober. And then I wanted to get sober, but I would get insecure about wanting to be sober because there's a lot of people my age whose parents forced them to go. Oh. And I just went on my own. Yeah. Like my parents wouldn't send me or pay for it. So I'm like, I'm fucking. And I'm you going. love being the fun one. And yeah. You... Yeah. I mean, it got to a point where like it was my identity and that was like all I didn't know how to be a person. I knew how to be like a joke. 
And that was yeah. before I started doing stand up. What were you doing before stand up? Panicking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was in college. A friend, a friend and I, a friend of mine and I, we started a film, a production company. Oh, cool. We made like a film. It actually did. We won like the Williamsburg Film Festival. We got into the short corner of Cannes. What was it about? Uh, it was about. It was a drama. It was about um, drug trafficking on the Mexican border through Texas and how they like use like ranches to go through. And then they like say, we're going to kill your family if you don't traffic drugs for us. Oh, shit. That's intense. Journey. So you're doing those movies. So I was doing that. And then we were like working on other stuff. And then I was like, okay, I want to do comedy, but I'm really embarrassed because like comedy was like the only thing I was like, I was very funny always like Mm -hmm. talking to people, but Mm -hmm. the thought of like, doing it trying to make it like a thing that I'm doing I was really insecure about yeah it's like the hardest part is admitting you want to do it yeah because yeah I mean trying to saying you're because if you go on stage or do improv you're basically saying hey I'm funny look at me and yeah. it, and the the least the worst thing in the world is when you see someone trying to be funny and they're not mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like the most awkward thing ever and um <laughs> so I signed up for improv at UCB uh I got let go and uh, <laughs> I love how you say let go. That's like your thing for everything. <laughs> I got kicked out. And uh, I got let go from Bumble too, but that's a whole other story. Do you get upset anymore when you get let go from things or is it just kind of a, a common well, step? Well, I get let go a lot from men, I guess. Mm. But you hate rejection and these places are literally saying you don't belong here anymore. So my therapist always tells me like you like to jump before you get pushed. Oh, so you self-sabotage a little. Oh, everything. You knew you knew about my self-sabotage. Remember from these talks back in the day at the stand. Oh, yeah. We would get into like intense. We just always bonded. And yeah. I'd just be like, what the fuck is going on? And you'd be like, this is going on. And then I'd be like hyping you up. And then I'd be like, this one time at tennis camp. And then I'm getting all worked up. <laughs> we like just met. And then we're like texting. I'm like sending you screenshots. Oh, like, yeah. We're, we're like, just we're, met. Like, we're like, oh, we're like on Instagram. I'm like sending you things. You're like, let's take it to the next level. What's your phone number? number <laughs> oh, yeah, we immediately it was like operation chloe what are we taking over no because you are so refreshingly open about your shit that like it was fun for me to not have to like s- see what a person might be like behind their facade you were just like these are my issues and i'm working on it and it was so cool to talk to yeah. someone that open i mean sometimes i think i'm open to a fault because like when i go on stage or talk or something i'll just say like everything that's going on i remember julio once said to me he was like, out of anyone I know, you have the most outward struggle I have ever seen. <laughs> He's so wise. I was like, true. It's like a lot of people are suffering on the inside, but yours is just. <laughs> but I feel like it's also part of you like jumping, like kind of like before people can talk behind my back and be like, Chloe's struggling or Chloe's, you're just like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's like you almost, it softens it for you when you can like make it funny. Yeah, that's, I mean, and the, the thing about doing that is it's it's not healthy and it wasn't, it is healthy once you've moved past it. Yeah. Um, oh, one time Tim Dillon told me this and like, I always think about it. Um, I was like telling him, I was like, so my boyfriend and I, we had just broken up. This is like a long-term boyfriend and it was like this whole crazy story. I talk about it, how like he went to Tulum and he did acid. And then he told me when he was on his, when he was tripping, he realized like he was on his journey and I'm just not a part of it. 
and that's how he broke up with me. And I remember like being so upset and like making that into a joke. And I told Tim it and he was like, you know, you're, you're still too close to it. Like give it six months and then say it on stage. Ooh. Cause like when you're too close to it, the audience can feel. Yeah. The emotion. Feel it, and then they feel like I went through a lot of phases where the whole, every time I'd go on stage, like everyone just felt bad for me. Yeah. Like, pe- people would be worried. Like I would go on stage and people are worried. Yeah. Like they're like laughing, but also like what it's almost sometimes like they're not laughing. <laughs> you're like a yeah, not always, but you're like kind of a spectacle in yeah. that like your stuff you're saying like embarrassment is funny, but then it's to a point where it's like, wait, is she being honest with all this shit? Because yeah. she is, holy fuck! But it's also I think it's also you doing that cry for help thing. Yeah, not to therapize you, but you you're very comfortable in that where it's like, <clears throat> yeah, this is what's happening. What are you gonna do? Because that started to be first. My identity was definitely partying, and then it became like being like wounded and like mm-hmm. cry for help. But what mm-hmm. I and then you know then I became like this tragic case of getting sober, relapsing, being insane to boys, blah blah blah. And I was mm-hmm. playing like this character and playing into it. And and the more you do these crazy jokes about your crazy stories, and then the audience starts to like them it starts getting all validated. So I would think that the behavior was okay because other people were laughing. So I could still behave like that. Yeah. But also like if you don't actually think the joke is funny, like, yeah, you're too close to it. Like, you know, when you're like after the joke, you're like, oh, I fucking hate that dude. It's like you can't enjoy it. And it's almost going on stage sometimes. Was it always fun for you? Um. Yeah. So sometimes I'd be nervous, but um, I have like really bad anxiety and I would Mm -hmm. have like terrible anxiety. And this is like so dorky, but like anytime I would get on stage, all my anxiety goes away. Like it completely Mm. disappears because I'm forced to like live in that moment. In the moment. Yep. I feel the same way. Like even if I'm bombing, like I sometimes I love bombing because I'm like, I just get to be here and do this and like feel feel it. I get to feel the bomb without trying to cover it up with something. And you can't like get stuck in a like brain spiral like you just mm-hmm. have to live and it's yeah. like it is a form of a high of some kind where it's just such an authentic moment yeah but there also is a thing that i'm working on is separating myself because i would i remember having a meltdown at one point when i was doing all this crazy stuff and telling these crazy stories and and then i remember just having a breakdown being like i'm so tired of being my material like I mm. act like I talk like I'm a piece of shit on stage and I just feel like it, like I'm so tired of being my material. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely a, a thing about being able to separate yourself from who you are on stage. Like it's, it's important to be authentic, but for me, it's about finding a balance. Yes. Yes. It's super important. But do you think that with comedy you were able to find some of yourself like was it hard for you to admit like I want to be a comedian and then go for it well I also like made this thing where I was like okay by the by the time I'm 25 I'm gonna do stand-up well because I did improv and then they didn't like me at UCB (laughs) (laughs) because they would be like you know you're always supposed to yes and yeah they're like you're supposed to do yes and sometimes they would like this person would say something I just say no and (laughs) They'd be like, Chloe. And I'd be like, I'm not going to enable this person. They're not funny. I'm not in, I'm not an enabler. No. And so they're like, this is not for you. I also would like get shit based during the break. It was like 10 minutes. And, <laughs> but then this girl in my class, in my improv class was like, you should try stand up. 
I think you would be good at it. So mm. I took a stand-up class and I got obsessed with it. So it's it's great that you found that passion. And now it's like, it's interesting to have you on Burning Hell because I have a lot of people who talk about like their past, you know, how they've recovered from, you know, drugs or alcohol. But like you are still kind of in it and you are like highly functioning. How has the quarantine affected kind of you and your journey of sobriety? It's been very spooky. Like my birthday was March 15th and I went to Miami for my birthday on like the 13th. And that was like right when all this was starting. Yeah. And I was like, fuck this. We're going into lockdown. I'm going to start drinking. Mm-hmm. So I went on this like little bit of a bender. And then I went to my friend's house for two weeks and we're just drinking all day. And then I went to my house in Vermont with one of my friends who drinks a lot. And I was just drinking like three bottles of red wine all day. And, you know, I'd start drinking like 11 a.m. Because like no one knew what was going on. So it was mm-hmm. like definitely very great for my drinking. And <laughs> then I would put together like some time, like 12 days and these like breakdowns like I'm gonna get sober I can't do this anymore I can't live like this and then you know before I know it I'm drinking again and I came back to New York I was like all right I'm gonna be sober and I come back to the city in like May and it's like all locked down and really depressing and I just started getting really into drinking really into ketamine which was all random (laughs) (laughs) like going to K-holes alone I'm like ah (laughs) and then I went up back up to Vermont to my friend's house and she has a bunch of horses and we just like started riding every day and I stopped drinking for like 60 days. And then I came back to New York in like September and r- I was like, I'm going to stay sober. Right when I got off the plane, I went and bought a pack of cigarettes and walked into a bar and I'm like telling the bartender, I'm like, I haven't had a drink in 60 days. Isn't this amazing? And then it just like, and then since then it's just been in and out, in and out, mm-hmm. in and out. Like I'll get 10 days and then I'll drink like with my grandma. You know, mm-hmm. like I could get triggered at a farmer's market at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is hard because you're just stuck alone with your thoughts. You're not doing the thing that you enjoy because there are a lot of stand up comics who are sober. Like you can surround yourself with those people. But it sounds like you also have a lot of friends who are just down to clown. Yeah. Like all my friends from from growing up and stuff, a lot. Most of them live in New York and they're all, you know, they work. They work nine to fives. And then mm-hmm. on the weekends, they're like they want to drink go after it and there's like a lot of drugs and like a lot of coke just that's the thing everyone does coke Mm -hmm. still even when Mm -hmm. they have kids um (laughs) more so when they have kids (laughs) yeah so it's like i'll hang out with them and they're all like respectful of my they're like they're like we don't are you sure it's okay if you drink with Mm -hmm. us and i'm like it's fine i'm like they're like well we don't want to drink with you and i'll be like listen like i'm gonna drink regardless would you rather me do it alone or with you like yeah she's fun kind of (laughs) yeah So then like, you know, it just like, and sometimes I'm just like, fuck it. And then if I ever go on dates, I always end up drinking. So how does this manifest in your dating life? Like with dudes, because you say you do crazy shit. Can you, can you give me a little insight into that? What will happen to me, which has happened several times is I'll go on like two dates with a guy sober and he'll like really like me. And then by the third date, I'm just like, hell yeah, I got a boyfriend. Let's start drinking. (laughs) And I'll drink and I'll ruin everything. I remember I went to this rehab in in Malibu, which was the wildest thing I've ever done. And I go to this rehab in Malibu and I was, I went on like two dates with this guy and he was like a friend of a friend. And they're like, he's a really good guy. Like he's so cool and so cute. Don't mess this up. And I was like, how could I ever mess this up? You're like, well, now I have to. And then on the third date, I just started like, matching him with whiskey and he's like i didn't know you drank i was like oh, i was on a cleanse <laughs> it's called aa <laughs> <laughs> 
and I had like eight months sober and I started drinking on the date and then we went back to my house and I, I blacked out. I don't remember anything. And I woke up in the morning. I talk about this and his back was towards me. And I'm like, I always joke, like, you know, if you wake up and the guy's back is towards you, like, I'm like, I probably called him gay or something, you know? <laughs> and so his back is towards me. And then I like try to be like cute and I like roll over. And he's like, also, I was so thin. I looked like an Olsen twin. Like, I was like, eh. I looked so, yeah. so tiny and I loved it. Like I was, it was insane to my bones. But anyway, so I woke up and then I tried to like touch him and he like jumps out of bed and he's like, I have to go. I was like, yeah, let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's like, I have to go. And I'm like, why? What happened? He goes, you don't remember what happened last night. He's like, I only slept here because I don't want you to die. And I was like, well, I was like, he's in love with me. Um, <laughs> he cares. And then he's like, I have to go. And I was like, well, what happened last night? He's like, I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, can you tell me what happened? He's like, I told you, I don't want to talk about it. Then he left. And then I just called up promises in Malibu. I was like, coming for you. And uh, <laughs> I just got on a plane and I went to, to California. And then I was gone for like, I don't know, like three weeks till I got kicked out. And I, I came back to New York and I like looked at my hamper and I was wearing this like white skirt. And I pulled it out of the hamper to do laundry. The back of it was just like covered in blood. And I was like, that was, long. well, because I knew I had my period, but I had drinking like so much rosé. I was like, not tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know when you tell your period, like, you're not coming. I don't care. I'm just not wearing a tampon and we'll see what happens. I was like, we are getting laid. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and then and then that was like, a that was a, you know, that's the way it manifests. Then there's other <laughs> stories, but they're just so long and <laughs> exciting. But I do think that, like, to survive the mess, it's like you start embracing it, you start laughing about it, and then you kind of get comfortable with it and then you're afraid if I stop this crazy ride then I just kind of have to face myself but that's what relationships are they're mirrors like they show you mm -hmm. how you actually are because you have to like put yourself in front of someone yeah but definitely like I've been like cooking up with this guy he's a doctor well he's in his third month of medical school but mm -hmm. I, call him. <laughs> <laughs> I like send them like medical questions all the time I'll be like hey so my friend has a rash on her foot and she can't see out of her right eye what's going on and he's like I told you, like, I can't help. I'm in my second month of medical school. He's like, I'm trying to pass chemistry. Yeah. And um, so, like, I drank on, like, our like first, like, four or five times we hung out. And um, and then we hung out recently, and I was sober. And I was, like, kept asking him, like, do you think I'm boring? Do you think I'm boring? How boring am I? Aren't I so boring? Aren't I the worst? And, like, I kept, like, being like, isn't this boring? And he was just mm -hmm. like, no, you're, like, fine. It's, like an intrinsic fear of being boring, boring or not good enough when you're sober do you feel boring sometimes but also sometimes when i'm drinking uh i get really insecure sometimes when i'm drinking because i know how yeah. bad it can get and i just like become this person that I'm, I'm really not and you know i try to use things as defense mechanisms like i'll be name dropping and talking about money and like yeah just doing crazy shit and i'm just yeah. like it's like that's not who i am and i'm just like such a fucking loser because those are like the things that i i tried to use like to as like a comfort you know what i mean because like i never there's no i i've never really had intimacy like growing up mm -hmm. um, i was never molested so there was no intimacy no i'm kidding um, <laughs> My uncle was like, not happening. <laughs> um, I don't even have an Weird uncle. Weird ears. <laughs> yeah, I, it's because I don't have an uncle. Now I've been to Missy issues. 
<laughs> but do you mean like emotionally and physically? Like yeah, like my my you know my dad and my brothers they shake hands. You know what I mean? Like I don't always say yeah. I love you to my parents. Like when they hug me, I'm like yeah. Oh. Like yeah. I get unco- I just I'm just uncomfortable around yeah. intimacy. So then also like when someone when a guy starts to like really like me because either a guy hates me or they get like obsessed with me. Yeah. And sometimes when they start to really like me, I just like get really distant and I'm like creeped mm-hmm. out. I'm like, what's this mm-hmm. guy's deal? Like, and then, which makes them like you more? Because I think in my head, I'm like, why does he like me? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, but yeah, but like with that doctor, I remember. I like was drinking a lot. I started like going on like a bender because like I think he started to like me and I thought I started to like him. So I started drinking like really like getting really fucked up and just like sending him like crazy shit that I thought was hilarious. And then he was like, listen, like this isn't this isn't going to work for me. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I was like so upset. And then like three days later, I just like sent him a nude and he's like, I'll come over in 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and then he came over and now we're still hooking up. <laughs> well yeah it's funny how like when a guy likes you you question yourself then you question him and you're like well why would he want someone like me and it it is really like you're you're also extremely smart thank you and extremely funny and people who are very smart and funny I think like it's easy to get in your head and question yourself and you know what you're capable of and then you have like there's a lot of pain going on but like I believe in you so much and I just think you're you're a very Thank you. But you're a very special, unique person. I wanted to have you on because you're so open with your struggles. And how old are you? 31. You're 31. And it's I feel like your 30s is when you start like giving less of a shit what other people think of you. You start being a little more confident in who you are. Also, I'm 29, so I don't know this yet, but this is what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) And I do think like Mm. you just it's all about just like it's this is what I say with happiness like it's you're always searching for it like what's the answer what's the answer but it really is just within you and it's, sure. you it's you just being like oh yeah I've had it this whole time it's just a decision I have to make and I have to actually work on it so I love you and I'm so happy you're opening up about all your shit and all your hilarious stories and your self-awareness is just like next level yeah I'm like self-aware to a fault I get that a lot in therapy <laughs> And I want to I want to wrap this up with a final game called the Seven Deadly Sins. Seven Deadly Sins. What are you greedy about? Laughs, stage time. Yeah. Just anything that anything outside of myself that will make me feel better. Well, and also a laugh just negates all of like the bullshit. It's like, well, they say it's okay. Yeah. Anything that that uh, makes me go out of myself, I'm very greedy about. Like if there's like a d- alcohol and someone's drinking more of it uh, in my head, I'm like, they better stop because that's mine. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like anything to get me out of my head. I'm very greedy about. Who are you envious of? Julius Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. Because he had epilepsy and he killed it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I didn't know he had epilepsy. I know it's a secret. I honestly, Sarah Armour told me that uh, she's our friend who loves the moon. Mm-hmm. She also said once that Remy is the re- reincarnation of Hitler. And she says, oh, I'm yeah. the reincarnation of Julius Caesar. Um, I love that. I need to have her on hell to find out what I'm. Oh my God. She's so funny. Yeah. I feel like I haven't even, I'm not talking about myself. I'm just like plugging friend comics. I'm like, check <laughs> out this guy. Swipe up for the um, latest episode. I, um, ooh, and then Julius Caesar and I, um, I was born on the Ides of March the day he was murdered. That's very interesting. And 
I tried to tell yeah. my friend, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm Julius Caesar. And they're like, I'm pretty sure you're a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how you talk about anything to get you out of your head. Because it's funny. I'm someone who's like, everyone thinks is really fun, but I'm actually like quite a prude. Like people after shows will give me like cocaine and shit. And I'm like, oh, sorry, like I don't do drugs. But it's because I actually, I'm a control freak and I have a fear of my brain not sober. And yeah. I also have a fear of like, that will just make shit worse than whatever it is now. And I and I just have like an obsession with like trying to handle myself sober. Like I've been on like antidepressants and anti-anxiety, mm -hmm. which isn't technically like sober. I don't know. Well, but fine. it's fine. It's it's more like because I also deal with a lot of my own mental issues and anxiety. So yeah. it's like, OK, I, I know that drinking is not going to help it right now. So I that's like my own reverse obsession of like yeah. obsessed with getting my head right sober. I remember one time in, in a rehab in like one of our groups, the woman was like, believe it or not, our great ancestors weren't on Zoloft. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, but they were also just chugging wine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's interesting. There's a lot of people who who don't get really fucked up and stuff because they have this thing that they don't like to, to lose control. And I yeah. love to lose control. That's what I like. Cause I hate the, I hate when I have control because I hate the way it's almost like you're responsible. It's like painful, you know? Cause I'm so, uh, wow. I, I hate myself. Yeah. So we're the opposite in that way. Like if I don't have control, like when I get high, when I've rarely gotten high, I feel like my brain stops working. And then I'm like, if someone were to come in and ask me a question, I wouldn't be able to answer it. And then what would happen and what they think of me? So yeah, I'm, we have opposite problems. Yeah. I, I used to, I talk about like how, like, you know, like I think if someone was robbing my house and I was drunk, I would handle it way better. <laughs> they'd come in i'd be like oh you're here to hang out i'd be like take the laptop don't forget the charger and like in bus sober I'd be like, ah. <laughs> so it. this leads into the next one what are you most gluttonous about so what do you what's your guilty pleasure that you overindulge in the most like what's what's your alcohol of choice oh depends on the day mm -hmm. um i got really in i love ipas that's mm. just like but i i'm really into tequila oh i love tequila because you don't get like as hungover yeah i can't drink rosé because i go insane <laughs> i go insane i drink wine i just cry i might as well just put it on the floor <laughs> just pour it all over me yeah skip a step i feel bad i feel like i should be asking you these questions but you already um, do them every day when i come on your pod don't worry oh yeah no this is just an interrogation that's okay, how cool, my podcast cool, cool. is um yeah don't worry about me add it to when my tab of interrogations <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger oh yesterday <laughs> I got in a fight with my older sister because uh, she was like just doing something that annoyed me and I was just like honestly like you're a bitch like this is a nice preview of how bad your marriage is gonna go oh, Jesus. and she's like married and she's a good life and then like an hour <laughs> I was, like, just like lost it and then like two hours later I was like oh, sorry I'm just sad that I'm alone and <laughs> and she was like yeah okay Chloe and then I was like and actually that nice preview of marriage that's a that's a line from wedding crashers that I stole <laughs> I was like here's a nice preview of marriage <laughs> I was like that's from the wedding crashers <laughs> you you hear it in the movie and you're like noted I'll use that to rip someone's life apart when I need to yeah when was the last time you were a sloth so like literally didn't do anything all day oh last week i went to like a mic because i'm a because i'm a loser uh, that's a bottom i went to an open mic that was indoors and i got in so many fights and um <laughs> what were you fighting about some guy goes on stage and he is just like 
he goes, he goes, yeah, well, everybody knows how women are stupid, right? And then I was like, if you think women are stupid, why are you wearing women's pants? Because he was wearing like really tight jeans. And then we just like started like screaming. We just got in this like massive fight. And um, and then so then that person, that person, someone at the mic ended up getting COVID. Oh, and then they messaged us and they're like, everybody has COVID. So I was like, I must quarantine. So just <laughs> laid in bed for like a week. And I was like, quarantine. I was just like drinking NyQuil all day. I'm like, this is living now. Do you think you got COVID? No, I, I got tested like seven times. When was the last time? This is a tough one. When was the last time you let your pride or your ego get in the way of something? Oh, I was doing a podcast with a friend. And then I was just like, and it was all about like dating and getting drunk and all this stuff. And I hadn't drank in like 60 days. And I was just like, honestly, like, this is not me. I was like, I am just like really put together. I was a debutante. Like, I mean, I just, I'm not involved. Like everything is great. And I just thought I was like too good for, too good for it. Because I thought that, you know, (sighs) Your stomach, yeah, it was your own insecurities that you were trying oh, yeah, to like, overcome. You know, yeah. So <laughs> you were like, <laughs> "You've blacked out on a date." I was like, "Disgusting." I was like, "I know what a four hundred one k is. Do I have one? <laughs> no, but I know." <laughs> when was the last time you lusted over someone besides your doctor? I don't um, lust over him. Um, <laughs> oh, oh my God! There's this boy I have the hugest crush on. We met on Hinge, but. He's actually, his hinge was set to the West Village, but he's in Monaco. Um, <laughs> Exotic. I know, he's from there. And we were, like, messaging, like, all day, every day. And he's, like, has a super Italian accent. He'd call me, he's like, Chloe. And I'd be like, he'd be like, I'm in, I'm in Italy right now. I'd be like, are oh, you having pizza? And then he calls me, he's like, I say, uh, are you a spying on me? Like, because uh, great, every Italian family has a pizza. I feel you are a spy. And I was just like, I love it. <laughs> guy and um then he pushing his date back to come to america and spend six months <laughs> so to wrap this up you've gone through some fucking hard ass times thank you you've had some lows you're welcome what advice would you give to the little devils on how to cope with your hell when you're going through it i would say uh don't tell too many people because <laughs> actually what I when I am going through something or if I like a guy if things aren't going well I'll reach out to so many people because you know you just want everyone's opinion and and then you start to get deluded in it and then some people will say what you don't want and then you know just like talk to one person you really trust and you value you're right it can add anxiety and also you you stop hearing your own voice when you're clouded Mm -hmm. and then and then also when something's bothering you a lot or you're upset about it the way to keep it alive is to keep talking about it. So like, Mm. for example, if I really like a guy and he doesn't like me, if I keep talking about how he doesn't like me over and over again to people and people like, it keeps it alive. So if I'm just like, okay, I talked about this, it's over, like whatever, move on. That's what I've really noticed. It's funny because a lot of stuff, it's like you, you've done it with guys where you'll get obsessed and then you move on or like you'll be obsessed with drinking and then you'll move on and it comes back and forth. But it's really when it just stops being a subject that you wake up and feel a weight on you about. Like imagine waking up and just not thinking about alcohol or waking up and not thinking about that guy. Totally. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a lot of my drink. It's a shame cycle. And when you keep in a shame cycle, you can't grow. So basically if I wake up and I'm like, 
I'm so depressed. I, I drank last night. I'm such a loser. My day, I'm going to have that in my head as I go through my day. Whereas yeah. if I wake up and I'm like, today's a new day. Yesterday happened. I didn't kill anyone, whatever. I'm moving <laughs> forward, you know? Yeah, a lot of it is that positive self-talk. Like once I realized that being nice to myself is not being weak, it actually makes me a better person and gives me positive energy. Like it's crazy. Imagine waking up after like fucking up every relationship in your life and be like, you just see that like little Chloe just being like, hey, you're loved. Even if it's not by any of these, you're in a child. It's like, I still love you and I'm here for you. Yeah, I read, I'm reading this book right now. It's called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, one of the greatest orators of the world. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's from like 100 BC, uh, AD. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't I'm so random but it's Love all about man. it's all about like just being nice to people and other people like just because what they're going through like it shouldn't affect you it's all about just like accepting the moment and like death will come for everyone so live in the day <laughs> carpe diem Julius Caesar I love that for you but Julius thank you so much for coming to hell where can people watch you where can people listen to you where can people follow you give me the deets so I live at 769 <laughs> <laughs> What's your social? Uh, I don't want you. I don't want your social security number. I'm trying to get in your bank account. Oh, I used to say that to guys. I'm like, what's your number? And they'd be like, nine one seven. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, I want your social security number. Um, you can uh, you can follow follow me on Instagram at Chloe LeBranch. There's an e at the end at LeBranch. Um, yeah, follow me on Instagram at Chloe LeBranch. And then I made a YouTube channel for my full videos. And then I'm on TikTok. I just got it. And um, hell yeah, I got Twitter in 2018 and (laughs) oh yeah i remember when you got twitter (laughs) you wrote before you message a guy make sure you don't just need to hug your dad no i wrote i go to the guy i double texted i don't like you i just miss my dad yes (laughs) nailed it i remember you posted that and i was like chloe's on twitter she's hilarious watch news for women yes and you're the fucking best i love you so much hannah you are too and you're on this wild journey and we're in it together we're on it together i'm so honored (laughs) that you asked me to come to hell I was like, well, I've been at this party for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell was very spicy today. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>